Thank you very much for joining us today for this uh, walk down memory lane. It has been uh, has been eye opening to to me for sure. It just blows my mind at times to uh, the the level of. Um, of opportunity that we've had to sit at the table with people that uh, have this level of advice and knowledge and experience, and they are willing to sit and share it with us. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Coffee Break Podcast, where our mission is to share business ideas, practices, and strategies while we enjoy our cup of coffee. Today, it's going to be just a slight bit different. I feel like I may have said that a few times over the years as we've been recording the Coffee Break Podcast, but this is episode 200 since we started season two. And we'll try to explain a little bit about what that means as we go through the episode today. But it's a pretty big milestone for any podcast, any uh, any type of online content, or really, for that matter, anybody that's doing regular content, it's a pretty big milestone. And we were pretty excited when we hit 100 episodes and now that we've moved on and we're at 200 episodes, uh, we're, we're pretty excited about it. And we're going to do something different today to kind of highlight some of the progression over the years and some of the guests that we've had on the podcast. So we hope you enjoy what the team has been able to put together today. Now, full disclosure, uh, I have zero clue as to what the clips are uh, containing. Now, they did just give me just a few moments ago a list of the clips that they're going to be using today, but I have no idea what they are. I'm sorry, they gave me a list of the guests of the clips that are going to be using just so that I can reference them, but I have no idea what I'm going to be watching today. So it should be lots of fun and excitement for all of us. Um, before we jump into it, I do want to invite you to subscribe. This is going to be kind of a highlight episode, but it's going to be highlighting a lot of the functional episodes that we've had over the course of the last four years or so. And I want you to make sure you subscribe so you don't miss a single episode because we work really hard as an organization and as a team to put out a new episode every Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. And so, the better you are subscribed, the faster you get to the information. And you can do that on YouTube or Facebook on the video version. Just search for LockDoc Security and you'll find all the videos there. Or you can subscribe on whatever audio platform that you're currently listening to. Just make sure you hit the subscribe button. We got so much to say. We got a podcast to make. We're sipping on lattes and it's time for a coffee break. Time for a coffee break. Oh, yeah. Thank you again for joining us today. Uh, now, we're going to be jumping into it. Well, let me do this real quick before we jump into it, because we're going to have to introduce this big guest over here, which is a television today. But we're going to be talking about that in just a second. Uh, before we do that, I do want to acknowledge a lot of people that have worked really hard over the years to make this thing possible. I was I was just sitting down this morning thinking through it, and I was like, uh, early on as we got started into the podcast, Levi Gray, Sam Gray, Lucas Ward, Kevin Starr. They were all very fundamental. And you may see them pop up in some of these clips, I'm not quite sure, um, of uh, of being guests, regular guests on the podcast, helping to work through the format and the flow of the podcast and making sure that we had some new content every single week. Now, when we first started doing this, we recorded this live on Facebook. Uh, there were no Second takes. There was no editing. It was it was all live. So really appreciate those guys that uh, that that were willing to put themselves out there and work with us as we got this thing off the ground. 
A huge shout out to Sam, Taylor, and Kaylin who uh, worked through creating our theme song. I remember uh, pitching the idea to Sam years ago saying, hey, we need a jingle or a theme song. And he was like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Uh, and then a couple weeks later, I was like, hey, really, we need to get a theme song. Can you think you can come up with something? And so they went and sat down and wrote up the, the little jingle that you hear at the beginning beginning of every podcast, um, which is really cool. And we've been able to hold on to that for the last couple of years. Uh, Chris Lowry, uh, my business partner here, he uh, helped with engineering in the early days. Uh, you may see some clips where there's a, 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 a soundboard and a computer sitting in front of me and all kinds of things that I was trying to do when we were getting started. And uh, what I realized was, and there's probably a life lesson in that, but the, the more things that I was uh, touching while I was working working on the podcast, the less connected I was to the guest and listening to what they were saying. And so over the years, we had uh, had to evolve that process. But Chris spent a lot of time sitting behind the scenes and uh, controlling the uh, the soundboard and making sure that we went live on, on uh, Facebook. Uh, Aaron Beaver, even before he joined our team, helped with consulting and getting the studio set up and getting things better and improved. And, and then as you see it now, the studios continue to evolve and he's helped with the studio design and graphics and some of the engineering that's gone into to doing this on a regular basis. Currently, Dan, uh, he is uh, our engineer and he does all of the editing to make sure that this is, all goes out uh, on time and, and does a fantastic job continuing to maintain uh, the the professional uh, uh production value that we've tried to establish over the years. Jessica does a fantastic job scheduling guests, uh, coordinating all the publishing, making sure that it goes live every Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. And uh, she also does a lot of work uh, finding guests and documenting all of the podcasts through blogs. So a lot of things have come together to make this thing possible with our team, which is really exciting for me to be able to sit in this chair behind this microphone on a regular basis and chat with some really knowledgeable guests that have been able to bring lots of uh, fundamentally sound advice to, uh, to, to me and to this business, as well as to be able to share that with our audience on a weekly basis, which I'm very, very grateful for. And I would definitely want to give a shout out to everybody that listens and watches on a regular basis. There's been many times that I uh, kind of get discouraged and just say, hey, you know, is it is it even worth it anymore? And undoubtedly, uh, a week or two later, I'll get a text message or a phone call or a, a direct message or some type of a chat from somebody that says, hey, I've been listening to the podcast, really liked this episode. It really helped me out, was able to apply this in the business. I've heard over the years people uh, launching book, uh, book clubs in their businesses or applying different techniques that were taught on the podcast. And it's really exciting to be able to hear Hear that. So uh, as a matter of fact, I remember a couple of years ago, I was sitting at a conference and uh, a guy walked up to me. I'd never met him before. He was from the UK and he introduced himself and said that he listened to the podcast and had been listening to it for well over a year. Um, and he introduced himself and we chatted for a little while. And I was like, man, that's really incredible to be able to connect with people on that level and to be able to uh, see what we're doing here in Charlotte, North Carolina, to be able to reach uh, more of a global audience. So very exciting there. All right. I think that I've talked enough about where we started from. I appreciate everybody that has, has got us to this point um, and we'll continue to navigate that. We'll break down a little bit about what it means uh, from a time frame from season two as we started season two in the beginning of 2019 to what it is now. But I guess really what we're supposed to do is to jump into the first clip, uh, which is going to populate on the screen up here. And uh, it is from episode 138, according to my handwritten note here from Jonathan Jenkins.
pros to having a management company. You have a team driven that knows accounting, knows mm-hmm. maintenance, knows how to uh, allocate those funds. Not only that, but just lead the board in the direction and take that take that liability off of them. Um, responsibility. You know, management companies, we are held to standards of, you know, leading our boards in the right direction to assist the community, not even just the boards, but the homeowners. We sure. serve them all. Um, you know, taking all of that responsibility off the board and really just making them the um, sole decision makers really releases a lot of that, relieves that stress from them. Um, Put that on your management company. And then the third thing um, is why should you do that? or move to a management company transparency. Um, You know, that that is a huge thing that I I like to preach about. Um, That's all what I always want to be like with my boards is transparent. Let's, you know, tell them everything they need to know, give them the hard hard or, you know, I guess the hard answers, you know, whether they want to know them or not. But, you know, that that's my goal. That's my job is to lead them in the right direction and just be as transparent as possible through everything, the finances, you know, showing them monthly statements of things. And homeowners like that as well, because then now they can see, you know, what is being done monthly, you know, providing the meeting minutes every month, you know, they can see what the board's doing. Um, And we've seen these, these are very common mistakes that self-managed boards can make Mm -hmm. because they're not producing the documents or the minutes, the financials. And then you're looking at a lawsuit very, very quickly. And um, just, just for your protection, um, you know, that's that's why management companies are so beneficial to communities. Um, and, it, 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 and, and the funny part of it is, and I always tell people, I guess you can say the fourth thing is, you know, let somebody else be the bad guy because you have to, yeah. you have to live with these people. You, you don't want to, you know, you don't want to have your house egged or, yeah. you know, what have you. Um, <clears throat> not that management companies are the bad guys. I'm not saying that we're bad <laughs> in any way. But, you know, yeah. at least you're paying for somebody to, to essentially take the bullets for you. That way you're not having to deal with them, you know, knocking on your door at, you know, 12 o'clock at night. Yeah. So. That's funny. Uh, you know, it's the honest God truth. I was actually having a conversation with somebody the other day about that and how uh, their frustration with the, directly with dealing with an HOA board. Very valuable advice from Jonathan Jenkins. Uh, one of the most viewed episodes, actually, on our uh, on our podcast over the years. It has uh, been reshared a lot because it's got valuable, practical advice. If you're a homeowners association trying to figure out should we go with a management company or what are the things that we should be looking for in an HOA management company um, from a professional management company look like, uh, very, very practical advice. Appreciate Jonathan's very clear explanation as to things that you should be looking for if you are a homeowner association and you need management representation, what they're supposed to do, what they're not supposed to do. Uh, man, and again, very practical advice. And for us as a as an organization in the lock and security business, that is one of our our types of customers that we service on a regular basis is HOA management companies. And so it was really cool to be able to see on both sides of the equation uh, and to be able to learn more about that. So thank you very much, Jonathan, for being a guest and for providing valuable information. Our next uh, clip that we're going to be looking at today is from episode 146, and it is 
uh, from Lucas Baselli, who is his title is uh, seventeen thousand characters long, and I'm so I'm not exactly sure. I'm going to mess it up, but I believe he's the executive vice president of the Americas. He's the director of the Americas for Asa Abloy, and uh, has been very generous with his time with our organization, and has always brought very um, solid and founded advice whenever uh, he has sat down behind the microphone. The worst decision is, is not making a decision, mm -hmm. right? And I think if you break it down, I think that the real fear of people is not making a wrong decision, but actually giving the news that decision was not right. Mm -hmm. So I think the fear or the lack of decision making is not when you're making the decision left or right, but how I'm going to feel six months from now or a month from now that I that I, that I made the, red, the bad decision. Mm -hmm. And how would the organization, how my peers, how, um, how my, uh, my manager will look at me, what's mm -hmm. going to be um, the, the approach or the, uh, the impact on myself mm -hmm. for making that bad decision. Yep. So I think it's a lot of the fear is not around the decision itself, but the consequences of, of, that, of that decision. Yeah. And I think if we focus um, on... What is the organizations and people's behavior once that bad decision was made? Or not the bad, but was just, you know, maybe not the right timing or not the right priority. And, and make that an okay topic to be talked about and not a taboo. Mm -hmm. I think that that will roll back into the decision-making process. And, and, and I think all of us, you know, I lost count of how many bad decisions I've made. I mean, it's all of, it's natural of us to to make bad decisions. I think nobody is batting in, in one hundred. Mm -hmm. But the minute that we can comfortably share those those shortcomings, the, the minute that we can um, talk about those things uh, uh, openly and admit our shortcomings, yeah. I think you create an environment that hey, it's okay to talk about bad news. It's okay to about talk about wrong decisions because mm -hmm. I think. That is the, the fear we talked earlier you know, of, of every leader is by the time the news comes to us, it's not a, a storm, it's a tsunami. Mm -hmm. and, and if you create that culture of hey, it's okay to, to put a, you know, the fish on the table, then I think it would trickle back to the decision point to say, hey, guys, it's okay to let's make a decision because either way, it's going to be okay. And I think, you know, we talked before about leadership tra traits, and mm -hmm. I think one of the for me, a very good leadership characteristic is consistency. Mm -hmm. And if a leader is, is consistent in the good and the bad, in the, in the good outcome and in the bad outcome, I think you will motivate the organization to make quicker decisions in fact, and, and, and be more agile. It was a very powerful episode uh, where Lucas was talking about just making decisions and the importance of a decision and Let's focus on the right decision or the wrong decision, but making a decision and moving forward without being paralyzed, um, which was very, very impactful. One of the things that I just heard there that I don't know that I pulled out of it uh, in when we were actually recording it or, or if I've listened to it since then is the fact that he was talking about one of the fears uh, that leaders have or anybody in an organization would have is um, the, the fear of 
what if the decision is wrong? How will that negatively impact me? And one of the things that I've been talking with uh, our team about here and with uh, with other folks is uh, about building that level of trust. And one of the things that we've uncovered in that is that trust, and that trust is built off of vulnerability, and vulnerability trust starts with admitting that I don't know the answer or that the answer was wrong. Uh, that starts to build a high level of trust with people if you can become comfortable with admitting it when you're wrong. And that's one of the challenges a lot of people have is you hold on to uh, to that decision. And when everybody else knows that it's wrong and you uh, establish that it was just the right decision and hold on to it way too long. So uh, very valuable advice there from Lucas Baselli. And, and again, one of our uh, returned guests, that has been with us twice now and has uh, really brought some valuable information both times. All right, our next clip is going to be from episode 116. This guy brought a lot of energy. Uh, talk about an entrepreneurial type looking in opportunities everywhere. Uh, really, really bright individual, really exciting individual, Austin Helms. I got humbled really early. So, <laughs> yes, I didn't come from the trades, but I knew in order for me to gain the respect of these my team members mm -hmm. i had to do i had to get in the trenches i yeah. had to dig the holes i had to get yeah blankety blank blasted on me and sure. you know <laughs> you know and you know any plumber's going to know what i'm talking about but yeah. i i I, you know, there's there's a book I read, and I actually read it about nine months after starting the business, and it's called The E-Myth. Yep. You've probably heard of mm -hmm. it. And, you know, it talks about the technician, the entrepreneur, and the manager, and we all have different parts of those mm -hmm. different type qualities. And no, I wasn't a technician, but I was a technician in my own right, which mm -hmm. was I knew how to book calls. I knew how to, you know, I knew how to get people to where they were going during the day. I knew mm -hmm. how to deal with customers. And so you know, what happens when a plumber starts his business is that he just wants to be a technician and mm -hmm. he just wants to fix stuff and he doesn't want to manage people. Mm -hmm. And so I've, you know, really, you know, I guess coming from the business side, I have learned that, you know, the more in the weeds I get in my business, the worse it is because I can't grow it. Now I can micromanage the heck out of it mm -hmm. and I can have a really, really small business and very successful here in Charlotte, but my business will never become what I want it to become if I don't step back. If I can alleviate a lot of that stress, which is the HR, the accounting, the marketing, the dispatch, how successful can I make a tradesman? The, the biggest fear of any tradesman owner is that you bring a guy or girl in at 18 years old and mm -hmm. you build them into a rock star by 25 and they say, see ya, going mm -hmm. to start my own other business. Mm -hmm. And what we're trying to do is like say, really promote that. And then they will actually financially benefit if that person leaves and starts another branch. So there's so much opportunity, so much room for growth. One of the cool things that I think Austin uh, brought to the table through the conversation was the fact that he was very interested in building a system to allow people to do what they do what they do well and not bog them down with uh, the things that they were not really good at or that they dreaded doing. Because one of the things I think we've all learned in life is the things that we don't enjoy, we really put to the bottom of our priority list. And so making uh, making an organization functional that uh, has the right people in the right seats, gives you the best benefit for the long run. All right, our next clip is from episode 130. Uh, this guy, I remember seeing him originally at a local event uh, that I went to and he spoke and just really blew my mind on the level of uh, one detail that he had on understanding the longevity of a marketing cycle, not just worrying about a quick hit, but working on 
how to really integrate your organization's identity into the community. Uh, it just blew me away with uh, with the, the insights that he had and the commitment that he had to it. Um, and from that, I'd seen him speak several more times and over the years, just introduced myself to him and invited him onto the podcast. And he's uh, joined us, I think, twice, maybe three times now. Uh, he was at the time of this recording with Ortho Carolina, has moved on to another uh, organization since then, but does a fantastic job. And again, identifying uh, your your organization's identity and figuring out ways to just integrate it into the community. I'm not sure what this clip is about, but Blair Premise is uh, the highlight for this clip. Competition is good. Mm -hmm. You know, way back in a previous career of mine, I worked for McDonald's and I used to work with franchisees who mm -hmm. would say, you know what I really want, Blair? I'd be sitting in the lobby there at McDonald's. They'd say, you know what I want? See, their Hardee's across the street. I really want them to go out of business. Yeah. And I'd be like, well, you don't want that. Yeah. Because they're helping establish the fact that you can get f hot food fast. Mm -hmm. We want them to do that. What we want from them is low energy. Yeah. So we can take their best employees, so we can take their best customers, but we don't want them to go away. A closed for business, closing down sign, mm. removing sign isn't good for you. Yeah. It looks like what's wrong? With this, this is area, bad. Yeah. This area is bad. You just want them to have low energy. Mm. And so I think in our space specifically too, I don't mind when somebody tries to steal a marketing idea that we have or that – somebody may be trying to do something that is invasive into our space. You should really be looking at it as a way to say, okay, listen, we're doing something right because they see that they can pick at it. Mm -hmm. The enemy of success is laziness. Mm -hmm. It isn't actually that your competition got you, right? It's harder to stay on top than it is to get to the top. So work at it, you know? <laughs> Great challenge from Blair I think that's valuable advice. We, uh, instead of putting, trying to make sure that we've eliminate, eliminated the competition, embrace it, figure out ways that it levels each other up. You have a baseline and you now have the ability to continue to level each other up. And at the end of the day, the customer gets the best experience uh, overall because you're constantly striving for a level of success or to outdo that competition, not to eliminate them. And uh, whenever you've eliminated your competition, you see this over time, a lot of companies become stagnant and lazy because they don't have anybody to drive them to the next level. So great valuable advice from Blair Primus, uh, great all around guy. Our next clip is from uh, episode 106. And this guy is uh, operates as a, uh, as a fractional COO. What does that mean? Maybe he'll tell you in this clip. I'm not sure. But Josh Elmore uh, brought a lot of valid advice through this episode. I think the biggest thing there is just awareness, right? So just personal awareness. It's mm -hmm. like, hey, what am I good at? What am I not good at? Mm -hmm. There's plenty of tools to kind of help with that. Like, again, like we'll go back to Eileen. So it's knowing that it's like, hey, this is my profile. Like, this is kind of what I'm good at. This is what I'm not good at. Mm -hmm. um, and knowing that because part of that relationship is like you're looking for your puzzle piece. Sure. Right. So. Not every visionary is going to fit with every integrator mm -hmm. and vice versa. So where so in Culture Index, like I'm a trailblazer, mm -hmm. right? So a low A, um, you know, there's probably some some profiles out there that I just, I wouldn't jive with too, too well. Because sure. I'm going to want to move fast. Yep. I'm going to want to make all these big things happen. And if they're kind of dialed in and not wanting to let go, mm -hmm. then it's, eh, this probably just isn't going to be super successful long term. Yeah. Right? Let me get somebody in here that's a little bit better of a profile for you. So it's a, it's. It's kind of a case-by-case -case sort of basis, but I think it all starts with that self-awareness of the visionary to say, hey, like, do you really want to let go mm -hmm. at the end of the day as a visionary? Like, do you want to just 
be a genius with a thousand helpers and um, uh, kind of the good to great sort of concept. And mm-hmm. if, if you do, that's fine. Yeah. It's your business. Yeah. Right. If you want to make all the decisions and, you know, work 80, 100 hour weeks and be dialed into the details because that's just what you want to do. Yeah. Then just own it. And yeah. it's say, hey, this is what I want to do. And it's like, OK, well, you don't need an integrator. Yeah. Right. Because you're going to sit in that seat yourself. Mm-hmm. But to really get uh, synced up with the visionary to say, you know, what do you want to do? You want to let go? Do you want to raise up leaders inside of your company? That's that's really hard. Yeah. Especially if you're the founder and you've kind of built this thing up and you're going to start letting go of stuff. Yeah. And it's, if you're not ready for that, then you're probably not really ready for an integrator to come in and help you start scaling and working with this thing. So the big challenge there on visionary and integrator and how to make that work inside your organization. And a lot of that goes back to the visionary or the founder or the owner of the organization of what are you wanting to let go? How are you wanting to make this functional? And how are you willing to make improvements for the organization by letting go of certain things? Uh, Josh, very insightful uh, guy, which he also was mentioning uh, Eileen, who was a a multiple previous guests on the podcast talking about culture index, a lot of great resources. And uh, we're only through just a few of, uh, of our clips so far, lots of valuable advice as you start to sit down through this. And it, it just blows my mind at times to, uh, the, the level of, um, of opportunity that we've had to sit at the table with people that uh, have this level of advice and knowledge and experience, and they are willing to sit and share it with us for a half an hour or so to say, hey, here are some things that you might be able to apply in your business or things that you should be thinking about or ways that you should be working on your business on a daily basis. And uh, it's really created value for me personally, as well as for our organization. All right, our next clip is from episode 65. This, uh, from a from memory perspective, was right after we had started to shift our studio into maybe its third iteration. Uh, we had just moved over into a newer space, had a little bit more room, had a couple of different camera angles, and a little bit of a different setup. And one of our first guests for that was Larry Hubatka. We really want to work in a place where we enjoy working there. Sure. You know, it's, it's kind of been a little bit of what I've... Um, uh, longed for at every stop along the way in my career, meaning let's do good work, but let's enjoy the process. Yeah. So I think naturally for me, I try to you know develop relationships, try to create connections, try to find ways to create an atmosphere where it feels like, okay, we like this. Yeah. I think early on it expressed itself in some really interesting ways. So if you worked for me 10 years ago, I probably would have said something like, uh, Chad, I don't really care what you do. Just uh, do good work. And if you need to take a nap in the middle of the day, you need to climb under your desk and like knock off for a couple hours. I'm good with that. Just don't distract people. And, and it was all in an effort to say, Hey, I want to create a space here, a place here where people will enjoy it. Yeah. I think as I started to research a little more around what does this actually mean? What are we actually building? And then the concept of culture became a little hotter and real buzzy. I started thinking, I think that's what we're actually doing. We're, we're, we're talking about, how do you develop a culture that becomes uh, conducive to being productive, to helping you enjoy work more? And then, I mean, once I started really diving into the, the research on great cultures, more productivity, kind of longer retention, um, higher just joy factor. It's like, this is good. We should build this. And then I wrote the book because I was actually looking for a book on the subject matter. I couldn't find anything. And I thought, while I'm not an author, I could probably piece something together. Sure. So the way I describe myself as an author is, is functionally ambitious where probably can write well enough to put something to to paper. 
So that was Larry and uh, was one of a very enjoyable conversation, fun guy to chat with and practical advice. He wrote a book. He talks about the components of what makes a, um, a culture. It's the behaviors, beliefs, and values. The way that that organization, that community operates is all based off of that. And uh, so I'll tell you this, one of the things that I've carried on in a lot of conversations moving forward is what are the behaviors, the beliefs, and the values that are identifying us as an organization and how do we make sure that we protect them, engage with them and really run into those uh, on a daily basis. So valuable advice uh, from Larry Hebecka. Managing your facility, properties and projects is hard enough. Trying to find an emailed quote in your overflowing inbox is just one more annoyance, especially if there are multiple versions. We're working hard to make your life easier by providing all the information you need in one place. Now you can request service at a date and time that works for you. And we're making it easier to see quotes and materials needed for specific openings, including photos, so that you can approve everything from the convenience of your phone or computer. Log in to start using it now. Visit customer.lockdoc.net. Our next clip is uh, coming up from a, a really, really fun guy. Uh, and it's this particular uh, guest was invited on through Instagram. I just randomly reached out to him because I had watched some of the things that he had been doing online, found it interesting, and wanted to chat some more to understand more about what he was about and what he was doing. His name is Jake Failing. He is currently one of the hype men with the Carolina Panthers in the NFL stadium. So if you ever go to a Carolina Panthers game in the stadium, he's they somehow somehow thought it was a good idea to give him a microphone and uh, and kind of run the entertainment inside the stadium. So here is episode 69 from Jake Failing. The way the Mortgage Minute works and what we've tried to take ourselves out of is like we think we do a lot of cool stuff at Movement, but at the end of the day, we work for the loan officers. So we start by, we go to the loan officers and we say, hey, what are the, give me the top five questions that you get asked when you sit down with maybe a first time home buyer, maybe someone's looking to refinance. What are those questions? And so it's crowdsourcing. And we've got a 1500 person, extremely active private group, Movement Ella, Movement Loan Officers. And it's just free, man, it's free for us. So we post those there. And I mean, we'll get hundreds of comments. We'll sort of run our own polls and we'll come away with 10 things. And so boom, just like that, you've got a crowdsourced, here are my 10 videos. Then from there, Chad, I mean, like it's, it's hard to get tactical when it comes to creativity. Um, if, if a small business or a big, whoever it is, if you've got, and you had one of the great ones with Larry that was in your studio, if you've got someone that is creative, um, hang on for dear life, pay them 10 X, whatever you need to do to keep them in, because it's easy to have, I should say it's, it's easy. It's, you can put together a team of executors, but to have that super creative person um, that can come up with a, a, a message or, you know, a visual that stops the scroll, but then also knows how to tie that into the business is pretty unique. And so we fortunately got several of those at movement. And so, so taking those top 10 things and then translating them into like, so what's the visual look like? And so for this latest round, we, you know, we got a green screen and 
we've got a dynamic of like basically true false where one person's on one side, one person's on the other. We're reading, you know, teleprompters. It just looks cool. You almost forget that you're learning about something boring like mortgages. Um, and look, I know not everybody has that embarrassment of riches, like, a studio and a green screen and like you're in a, you're in a cool studio. I, I get that too. Um, but what's been, I want to say great, nothing's great about this virus and the quarantine, but what's been interesting for us and we're now seeing the industry follow our lead is this quarantine. This has been like the great equalizer. Mm-hmm. And so we're doing mortgage minutes just like this, just like you see me, this yeah. is the video. If someone said that, with no mic, like through Zoom audio and this, you know, visual that this is what we would put out on our corporate social media channels. If you would have told me that, you know, six months ago, I'd go, ah, I mean, we're flexible, but that's, that's you got to get me on the right day to agree to that. We just said, you know what? This is life for everyone now. So let's lean in. And we are having so much fun with it because there are no rules. Yeah. It's like, if you look behind me, this looks like the, dream of like a 12 year old sports boy, like, you know, that loves collecting stuff. Well, that was me when I was 12 and I used to work at sports and I collected all this stuff. And so welcome to my home office, Chad. And so now the world, when they see our mortgage stuff, they see this and it's like, I was embarrassed for like 30 seconds. And now I'm like, you know what? I bet you your home office looks horrible. So enjoy. Um, so I think that's been, um, you know, tactically as a, you know, hopefully that provided some people with a little bit of advice and that sort of ties back into just press record of like, don't think that you're the expert, go literally to the SME, get the ideas, you know, come up with a creative way to tell those things and then don't romanticize the, the visual, just get it out. Man, well, a couple of things on Jake. Uh, love the fact that he refers to his office as the uh, the brainchild of a 12-year-old boy. And then he also has some of the best hair of anybody, any guest that we've ever had on the podcast. But the, the concept that he's talking about is there's not a proven tactical way to get content out. Uh, we focus so much uh, and get ourselves bogged down so much on – how to get it done and the formula to get it done. And what he's saying is get the the topic and the question that people are asking and to throw your best guess at the creative way to get it out there. But just pressing record and getting it out there is better than spending way too much time on the thinking and the processing to get it out there. Uh, and I think Jake does a really good job even to today. I mean, this was that recording was early on in the pandemic. And uh, it's one of the things that I you see him still doing to this day is finding ways to keep their brands relevant with what's going on uh, in the marketplace right now. So uh, always valuable advice from Jake and just a fun guy to be around uh, and to have conversations with. So our next clip is going to be from uh, my business coach, Kurt Graves. Now, when we recorded this, he actually wasn't my business coach, but I've loved to be around this guy. He's always willing to speak the truth, and he's always willing to challenge you to go further than what you believe you can do yourself. So this is episode number 21 with Mr. Kurt Graves. Work is not entirely transactional. The kinds of people we are at work are the kinds of people we are at home, too. And there's no greater compliment than when somebody's significant other or spouse comes up to you at a Christmas party and says, thank you for having that honest conversation with my significant other. It's made everything better at home. Hmm. 
And when you hear that, I think that, that with a few times, when that happened the first few times, for me, it was, it was like heroin. It was like I couldn't go back. Not that I've used heroin, <laughs> but I imagine that's what it'd be like. But it was just <laughs> wonderful. And I said, I want more of that. And, I, and I, I am a person of Christian faith, and I believe that that's what we're here for, which is to liberate people. Um, and that felt like liberating people. So yeah. that's my drive. Well, because you're having the ability to impact, you know, if it's within your organization, yes. you're having the ability to impact people and, and challenge them to be better humans. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's not necessarily about, hey, we want to get more production out of you. We're, we're trying to get you to, to build more. We're trying to get you to... It's, it, if that's the focus, it's going to be short-lived. Right. Um, is, is from what my experience has been mm-hmm. uh, versus, right. hey, we want... What can we do to create an environment where we can be better people, better yes. humans, yeah. and then from that, the other stuff will, will come. It'll come out of yeah. it, right? Uh, we, it'll be a natural progression. Yeah, we invite... CEOs and business owners to join our groups and human beings show up. Mm. And um, so there's a model. It's not mine. I think it's from Giant Worldwide. And they would say, you know, if you th- everything's an X, Y axis. If you think the Y axis is like support and support is high on the top and low on the bottom. And if you had challenge is high and low, you think there's one quartile where support and challenge are both low. And when we have companies or leadership like that, and, and we're all leaders like that sometimes, then we are creating cultures or companies of ambivalence. That's not going to get good results in life or at work. And when we think about places that are super high in support but that are low in challenge, then what we end up are cultures that might be able to hang something on the wall says they're best places to work. Hmm. But at the end of the day, I, I guarantee you people are entitled in that organization, and they're not really getting the results in their life or business that they can. Some companies have high challenge and, and, and low support, and those create cultures of dominance. They will likely get great results at work, but they will blow people up, and they'll create kind of a soul-killing workplace. And that totally misses the point to me. But workplaces that can have create cultures where there's super high support and super high challenge, they can really liberate people and, and profitability both. And so um, the best example of that I have is uh, Martin Luther King in front of the reflecting pool, and he's saying uh, America is the kind of country that's written a bad check um, as, to, to, to the American Negro, his phrase in that time. And uh, when he said that, everybody knew it was a challenge. He was saying America is the kind of place that writes bad checks to people and ought to be thrown in jail, really, right? Because people got thrown in jail for that back then. But then two paragraphs later, he comes back with, um, but I have a dream. It's the first time he refrain, refrain hits. But I have a dream that one day my children won't be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their heart. So super high support, right? What's possible? And so when we, if we can have conversations that are full of support and full of challenge in work, we can liberate not just profits, but people. Yeah. And that's... That's what I'm passionate about. Kirk Graves always bringing the challenge there of how to get people to be better humans. And that's one of the conversations that we try to engage in on a regular basis is, and and he said it at the very beginning, 
there's not a major difference between who you are at work and who you are at home. And so as an organization, if you can impact that across the board, you get the impact across the board. And, um, and it's something that I think as a, as a manager or as a leader or as a business owner, oftentimes it's overlooked and maybe avoided because you don't want to uh, worry too much about or get too much involved in, in, uh, in personal affairs. But uh, what you need to be mindful of is the way that an individual operates in both capacities does impact both capacities at home and at work. And a great challenge there. Too much support, Gets an entitled workplace, too much challenge, gives a dominating and uh, a struggle of a workplace. Figuring out a way to balance those together and create an environment where people feel, in, feel supported and challenged is uh, a way to start to build a great and powerful culture. So thank you very much uh, for Kurt and, and all of the advice that Kurt gives on a regular basis. But he's been with us for two episodes. And actually, uh, if you stay tuned and subscribe, you'll be able to hear another episode with Kurt in the coming days days, but that was back in the the early days in one of our first studio setups. And uh, I think we were recording that on the lowest quality camera that was known to man at the time. But uh, it was it was a fantastic start for us uh, through the podcast and getting uh, getting the content out there. So it's not always about the quality of your equipment. It's just about getting the content out there. And, and I think that that, ep- that clip very much proves it. The, the content was great quality could always be improved. All right. The final clip that we have, they've dug out uh, a clip from episode one. And uh, going back to legitimately, uh, I'm sitting here in our studio right now. And if you're not watching the video version of this, then you're missing out. You need to go find it on YouTube and Facebook. Um, But uh, watching this clip on the screen in the studio, uh, this is um, one of my old offices and uh, just equipment and gear slung all over the desk. We've got microphones up there and we threw a camera up there to try to to record it and send it out on Facebook and then eventually published it on YouTube. And who knows what we were actually talking about. You can even you can barely see Levi's face. He's standing over there in the corner. His microphone may not have even been on. Kevin's over there on the side. We didn't really know what we were doing. We were just trying to get something off the ground. And it's incredible that uh, that was... Uh, that was back in the fall of 2018, and to move forward into uh, where we're sitting now, the fall of 2022, and uh, uh, we've got an amazing studio, great uh, team of people that put this thing together every week, and some fantastic guests that come in and uh, really give us some valuable advice and represent what we've been doing here well over the years. So I, I don't even. Hopefully, we don't have any audio because that's. There, we're probably saying nothing of value on that, <laughs> that clip whatsoever. Thank you very much for joining us today for this uh, walk down memory lane. It has been uh, has been eye opening to to me for sure. Again, huge shout out, a huge thank you to uh, to Levi and Sam and Lucas and uh, and Kevin and Aaron and Dan and Jessica and all of the guests that we've had over the years and Chris for helping with the uh, the engineer and all the guests that we've had over the years that have done a fantastic job bringing valuable content that we've been able to share with our customers and with people all across the globe uh, on a weekly basis. 
As a reminder, if you haven't already subscribed, we got a brand new episode coming at you every Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. And we don't want you to miss a single one of those. Thank you for joining us today. And as always, we'll see you next time right here on the Coffee Break Podcast. <laughs>